Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who once competed in a hot dog eating contest, Brand Siegel. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, that was back in the day. Didn't didn't compete very well, um, but uh, you know we tried. We had the hot dog competition today. Joey Chestnut broke the record, uh, his record supposedly. We're recording this right after he finished with 76 hot dogs. Although we couldn't watch like 90% of the competition for whatever reason. I don't really know what's going on with that. I feel like ESPN should be able to clean their stuff up a little bit, you know. Um, but the third member of our podcast here with us today is of course Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, the best part about that whole mishap with ESPN is that this hot dog eating contest is once a year for 10 minutes. Yeah. And they mess it up. Yeah, they just got to get like 10 minutes right. That's it. Like, it's like the Super Bowl. It's like you got a whole year to prepare for this, and ESPN couldn't broadcast something for 10 minutes. They messed it up. Yeah. So it was it, it was interesting, though. It, it, I enjoyed it, though. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of a, a Fourth of July is watching the disgusting things that they do with those hot dogs yeah you know it's it's crazy like it, it's so interesting at the same time it's so disgusting like i i, I would feel i i think i'd explode if i ate that many hot dogs genuinely like i just don't think i don't think i'm i'm built to be eating 60 hot dogs or 70 hot dogs you know it's kind of like a, it's like a car crash like like it's disgusting but like it's like hard to watch but you can't stop watching. exactly exactly and it's only once a year you know you just you just get it over with once a year um but we have an entertaining episode here today, and we had huge, huge news in sports with the uh, NLI uh, name, image, and likeness uh, stuff that's happening in the NCA. A lot going on with this. We've seen a lot of deals come out with the, with some different college athletes, which has been super, super interesting. Uh, so, Trevor, I'm going to hand this off to you first. Some of your thoughts on NIL um, and you know what this means to <clears throat> college sports. Yeah, so it's it's huge news. Um, as of July first, which we are recording this on July fourth. Happy happy fourth, by the way. Um, and it, I you know, mention that. yeah. <laughs> but um, this is huge news because now athletes are able to um, profit off of their name, image, and likeness. This doesn't mean that colleges directly are paying them. Although, um, you know, I'm sure as this progresses, we're going to see a lot of colleges kind of assisting in setting up these different uh, deals, these different NIL deals, whether it's with, uh, you know, Canes, which we saw uh, Spencer Rattler, I believe, the Oklahoma quarterback, get a deal. And um, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, I don't know, a swimwear brand or whatever it is, you know, other restaurants and stuff, we're going to see a lot of these deals come out. And this is something that, you know, I, I know I have been wanting to happen for a while now. Um, it's been a pop, it's kind of been the popular opinion for a while that this should happen. Um, and now it's become so overwhelmingly popular, seemingly, that uh, they finally decided to do that, do it. And um, I think they had like a deadline as far as like, I, I don't know what they call it. I know like the NBA has its own like collective bargaining agreement. I know that um, in the NCAA, they had like a deadline for this year of when they would have to get it done or else they would have had to wait till next year, I guess. So they got it done uh, very, very near to the deadline. Um, and that's great, right? That like, I, like, I'm glad to see it, that this has finally happened. Obviously, long overdue, in my opinion, um, just as we've talked about it in the past. I, I know we've touched on this a little bit before, and I've, you know, kind of voiced how, you know, we, we think about, like, normal college kids. Like, when we were in college, like, you know, we had the ability to go and get a job, make money, or we could, you know, use, I don't know, like, do stuff on social media. Obviously, TikTok has become very popular, so we can make followings that way and potentially get you know, sponsorships that way, uh, and get paid. Um, and now athletes, you know, with their busy schedule, obviously in the past, they, it's not like athletes can go and get a job at, 
you know, FedEx or a pizza place or wherever. They don't have the time for it. They can't get jobs. They have a busy schedule between work uh, or, I mean, between football or basketball and whatever sport and school. So it's like that's their whole thing. Obviously, yes, they have scholarships, um, which is very important and awesome. But beyond that, they were never able to make money, whereas, you know, the schools were, were taking all the profits. You look at some mm-hmm. of these biggest um, programs. I mean – we know college football, a billion-dollar industry, college basketball, very profitable as well. Some of these other sports, very profitable. So, you know, long overdue. Now, we look at kind of the implications of this, and it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I know we were talking before the podcast, like, hey, do we think, um, you know, we, we see like in college football in particular, like, in particular, like some of these schools like Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, they're so dominant year after year. They're always like the top teams. Could we see an even another extension of the goalposts? Like could the difference between, you know, in Alabama and one of these like max schools be even more like even greater than already was like, are these top programs just going to stack all the recruits? That's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I believe that, you know, my opinion is a little bit different than you guys um, as of now. And we don't really know, but I don't know if it's going to be that different because I think that, um, you know, some of these biggest programs, they already, they already have so many advantages. They already have so much more money. Um, they have the facilities. They have the, the best coaches. They can take whatever coach they want. Like, you know, Buffalo, they had Nate Oates, and obviously he wasn't going to stay in Buffalo long term. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's going to be that big of a difference in that sense. But there is a potential. You know, it's something that you at least have to worry about. Like, could this become an issue? Obviously, I know all three of us like seeing parity in any sport. We like seeing, you know, surprises and stuff like college basketball like we get so often. So that's something to watch out for. Um, But overall, I really like um, that this has finally happened. And it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Because also, like, you know, we got to see how they implement things. It's kind of like they announced it, that this is happening. And now we're seeing the floodgates open. But there's no kind of formal thing put in place by the NCAA. It's kind of like the schools are kind of deciding. And I guess they have to implement their own things as well, which they have to figure out. So it's... It's kind of like, it's very chaotic right now, but um, overall, it's great that this first step has happened. Yeah, and I, I'm i very excited for the, the NLI deal, and I think this is, it's of course, long overdue. Uh, I mean, players should be able to profit on, on their own names, their own you know likeness and you know stuff like that. I, I think that's really, really important, and maybe we'll even see some NCAA video games come back. You know, they got to pay a little bit to the players, um, but that would be awesome. You know, I think we'd all like to see that. Uh, there's going to be some challenges with this. You know, it's going to be challenging if Alabama recruits, you know, a whole team staff, um, you know, extra staff members specifically designed around getting NLI deals. That's going to be interesting because not every school is going to be able to do that. Um, so I, I think we have some potential in the future for it to go wrong. However, if it's done, and I talked about this before the pack, before the podcast, like influencers, you know, if you have a bigger following or if you're a top quarterback at a big school, um, you deserve to get these deals, you know? You deserve to, to make money off your likeness. We've seen Spencer Rattler. He's a Canes ambassador now. I think he is more than deserving of that. So if it's done correctly, this is going to be incredibly successful and everyone's going to be happy. Um, ben, I have one more thing I want to talk about, but I want to go to you before we go to that one more thing I want to talk about. So what are your thoughts on, on this? Because there's a, there's a lot to break down. Yeah, well, first off, uh, shout out Spencer Rattler. I don't even like him, but I like Haynes. So uh, good good brand deal for him. I'm cool with it. I'm sure, Brandon, you disagree with me on that one. I don't like him, um, and I don't like Kane, so 
I don't like him, but I like Kane, so it's it's an okay relationship. Yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. I remember being on the podcast forever ago, and we talked about when this was first kind of an idea, and I said, it's them. I mean, simply put, it's them. They should be able to make money off of who they are, their name, and their image, and their prestige in some sort of college athletic uh, environment. So I'm, I don't think – there's very few people that I think would say that this is a bad thing. I think, for the most part, people understand that you should be able to do a – local car dealership commercial if you want to if you're a basketball player at i don't know bowling green for instance and you want if somebody wants to pay you a couple hundred bucks to be in the commercial yeah go for it you should be able to do that um but i do think obviously like you said brendan i know you'll get to it more but there are gonna i think there's gonna be a lot of issues that arise from this my hope is and i do think this will happen my hope is that it'll calm down eventually obviously it's been less than a week so things are kind of crazy right now and everybody wants all these college athletes are scrambling they want to make these deals they want to sign these endorsements I do think it'll settle down a little bit once, like kind of like what Trevor said, once colleges start to figure out what their rules and regulations are going to be on this and what they are allowed, what they will allow and what they won't allow and what these athletes can do and what they can't do because there still will be things that they can't do. Um, I've seen multiple schools say that you can't do a brand that is a you know a rival brand of something that sponsors our school, mm-hmm. which, again, I feel like the school it has a right to do that. I think that's fair. Um, so I – I, it's crazy right now. I get it. It's crazy right now. There's a lot going on. I do hope that it, it'll settle down a little bit and it'll get a little bit, not back to normal because we've never seen this before, but back to what we expected it to be. Um, and again, I, I, like Brand, like you said, Brandon, there is a lot of things that could definitely go wrong here, but my hope is that we'll figure this out and this will ultimately be um, as good and as beneficial as we thought it would be for, for college athletes. Yeah, so here's here's the other thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk a little bit about Reggie Bush. I forgot to mention this beforehand. This is yes. where I, I told you guys I had an extra topic, and this is what it was. Um, Reggie Bush contacted the Heisman, you know, whoever does the Heisman, Heisman Association. I understand Heisman Trust. Wording. Heisman Trust, thank you. Um, and they, they gave no contact back to him. Now that this deal is done, do you think Reggie Bush deserves to get his recognition back in his Heisman back in? Uh, ben, you know, I'll start with you. Um, it's a tough question. I don't know. I don't necessarily have a definitive answer because I kind of understand both sides. I get it. Like now that you can make money off your image and likeness, um, why not? But at the same time, like, I mean, he broke the rules when those rules were in place. So I don't really want to pick a side because I understand both sides. And honestly, if they say, yeah, sure. You can have your Heisman back. I get it. At the same time, if they say no, just because the rules were different back then doesn't mean that you should have broke them. Um, and they say, no, you're not getting it back. So I don't really have a preference. And maybe part of it is I was never a huge Reggie Bush fan anyway. I didn't hate him. I didn't love him, though. I felt like if I loved him, I'd be like, yeah, I'd give him his Heisman back. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have a definitive answer. But, again, I, I understand either way. I think I would be understanding if, if they say, no, you don't get it. Or they say, all right, you were right. We were wrong. So I don't know. That's the best I can do. Sorry, it's a terrible answer. But <laughs> no, Ben, no, no answer's terrible from you. I, I like hearing that. I'm sorry. Um, I, I think this is a very delicate situation. You know, I, I feel as if Reggie Bush deserves his Heisman. At the same time, he did break the rules, and now, you know, retroactively we see that, you know, the rules have changed, and Reggie Bush would have been able to do what he did now. So in my opinion, I, I, I feel as if he should get that award back, you know, especially since the rules have now changed and it's, it's different now. Trevor, do you share the same opinion? Oh, I mean, I absolutely think he should get it back for sure. I mean, I you know, he was the best player. He won the Heisman because he was the best player. It's not like he was taking steroids or anything. Um, like, you know, he got paid and then it was taken away from him for that reason. And now basically the rules that were then are no longer the rules. Yeah, I mean, he should definitely get his Heisman back. I, I think it's it's pretty clear to me and I hope they do. 
um, get it back to him. I know it's it's a little because I think the Heisman Trust. I, I I don't remember exactly what their statement said, but it, they kind of just like didn't give an answer. They were kind of like. I don't know. I don't know if you read into it more deeply, Brandon, but it kind of felt like it was just like, a, we're going to explore the possibility of potentially giving it back to him or something. Yeah, I I, I hope it happens. We'll have to see. There's been no response, and you know, knowing the NCAA, it's, it's probably doubtful collectively. But we'll move on. We spent a lot of time on this. I'm sure there'll be more discussion about this moving forward, as we'll see a lot of different interesting deals come out, especially as the season's actually going on. I mean, these are very preliminary early deals. I mean, we've even seen Barstool. They want all these people to be athletes for them, which is really cool um, to see. But let's move on. Trevor, I know we have another interesting topic that you wanted to discuss. We have the NBA draft coming up at the end of the month, correct? Yeah, so the NBA draft is coming up on uh, July 29th. And there's a lot of players that, you know, have to make the decision of whether they're going to either stay in the NBA draft or they're going to withdraw and go back to college for another year. So, um, you know, and also that deadline is coming up on July 7th. So a couple days left for, you know, the players to decide whether they are staying in the NBA or whether they are going back to college. And interesting because, you know, we don't, we don't have to talk about it today, but obviously the G League and all these international leagues, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting now that uh, the NAL is – in place, like, okay, are we going to return back to these star players going to college more? That's going to be interesting. But I also think you could argue that it maybe it makes it more likely that players will return to college now that they're seeing this uh, being announced. I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But also, like, some of the, I, I guess some of the most notable guys that I could just go through quickly is my, one of my favorite players, Miles McBride from West Virginia. Um, he is staying in the NBA draft. Uh, that'll be interesting to see where he goes. Definitely a hit for West Virginia there, as they, of course, also lost Derek Culver. So going to be tough for West Virginia. We'll see um, what happens there. But Miles McBride slated to be late first round, maybe early second. Um, we also see Ohio State. Uh, EJ Liddell is returning to Ohio State. So Buckeyes fans listening to this podcast, good news for you. Um, EJ Liddell was incredible last year for the Buckeyes, and I they certainly, I think, will be a top 25 team with him. However, they did lose Dwayne Washington, who is um, staying in the NBA draft, which is a little interesting to me because Dwayne Washington, to me, probably will not get drafted. Um, I think in like a lot of big boards, I see he's like, I don't know, like in the 90s, maybe 80s. He's not, he's not in the top 60 in anything I saw. So that'll be interesting there, um, you know. But it's going to be, you know, kind of fun to see. What, what else happens with some of these other players like Johnny Juzang, who has yet to decide yet whether he's coming back. If he does come back to UCLA, I think they're going to be a definitive top five team. You could even make an argument that they should be number one, obviously, with that run that they made all the way uh, to the Final Four last year. UCLA, Johnny Juzang, definitely will be uh, something to watch out in these next couple of days. But, you know, it's going to be it's going to be fun. You know, the NBA draft is coming up. I obviously love uh, the NBA draft. And we have just in general uh, a large number of players that have declared. I think um, out of the entrance um, between colleges and international players, there were a total of 353 players who filed as early entry candidates for the 2021 NBA draft. Now we're obviously a lot, it's a lot less than that because players, many players have withdrew, but still just insane um, how many players are actually uh, filing as early entry because it's definitely the most of all time. Um, you know, I, I know before, we were probably at a point before where you only get maybe, I don't know, 90 to 100. And now it's like so many players just like uh, entering early. So we'll see what happens with that. And also, 
um, you know, we'll see if that kind of flips back next year, like maybe with the NIL deals, maybe that decreases again and then the value of, you know, staying in college next couple of years probably increases, I would imagine. So yeah, it'll be fun to see. Yeah, especially if you can, you know, make that money or make some amount of money in college, it could be really, really, really useful. Um, but let's let's exit small talk today. Or and yeah, we're gonna go to small talk trivia. Of course, this is the segment where we each ask each other a trivia question. We have a running scoreboard. Which Trevor, the current score is. So Ben is in the lead with four and a half points. Brandon's in second with three, and I, of course, am in last with a half point. Oh, right, well, you know, job, yeah, you're getting there, Trevor. You're getting there. You're 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 almost at a full point. It's very impressive to you know get there, but. Today, I have the list ready. I will be asking Ben a question. Ben is asking Trevor, and Trevor will ask me. So I'm going to start with my question for you today, Ben. Uh, this is the type of question. It's not a difficult question, but it, if you don't know it, it'll be difficult. Like, it, it's one of those things you would just either know or don't know. It's not even, like, something to work through. It's just either you know it or you don't know it. What player All right, let's hear it. has the longest interception return for a touchdown in NFL history? Dude, come on. I told you it's a question you either know or don't know. The longest pick six in history yep. is basically what you're asking. Mm-hmm. What player has the longest pick six in history? All right, well, I would say, like, oh, clearly they have to be fast, but if they're a DB in the NFL, they're probably pretty fast anyway. Um, dude, again, again, this is one of those where I'm like, I can't even think through it. because I mean, the only thing I can do is think through some DBs, I guess. But, oh, man. I mean, obviously I have some name of people, but... I don't want to give Trevor any names. Um, I I thought of two right off the bat, and I'll, I'm probably just going to end up picking one of those two. Um, and it might not even be a good guess, but longest pick six in history. Um, can you tell me how long it is? I'm just curious. Sure. I, I, it won't help my Yeah, yeah sure. 108 yards. <laughs> 108. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, so this person's got probably got to have some uh, some breakaway speed. All right. Um, I'm this is this is a very fast again. player. Yeah, I got it. Um, I'm trying to think of like another clue I could get... give you because. No, it's fine. I don't. I am winning, Brandon. Let's not forget this. So. Okay, I actually don't I'm care then. This. Clear, clearly, I'm good at this. Clearly, I'm good at Yeah, I'm just. I'm just gonna guess. This is between two. It's kind of a head. It's kind of a coin flip here. All right, I'm just gonna guess Deion Sanders. Why not? Deion Sanders. That's my guess. Deion Sanders is a good guess, um, but it is not correct. Trevor, off to you for half a point. Again, it's one of those questions where you either know it or you don't. Yeah, I mean, 108. That's that's There's incredible. No There's no way you know this, Trevor. Um, <laughs> this is so hard. Yeah, so I didn't know it was gonna be 108 because I can think of guys um, that have long ones, uh, but yeah, not not 108. <laughs> so Deion Sanders obviously taken off the board. That wouldn't have been my guess because it just sounds too obvious. But I know that if you don't know it, it's like, well, who's the safe like guess? So I I, 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 I will it. say, um, in in my opinion, it's pretty obvious. Oh, like, is it really? like once you okay. hear the answer, you'll be like, "That makes sense," you know. Okay, okay. So longest interception return in mm-hmm. NFL history, uh, and it's one hundred eight. All right. So if I'm thinking about some of the best, you know, I mean, some of the guys that come to mind for me are like Darrell Revis, Asante Samuel, Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Champ Bailey had like an eighty-something yarder on Tom Brady in a playoff game. Very hurtful, uh, painful memory. Um, Sounds amazing to me. <laughs> who else? Um, maybe like, uh, um, like Ed Reed. But would would you give 
would you give an, uh, a Ravens question? Mate? I guess you would. Um, Ed Reed, I guess, could be a possibility. He's had some good ones. Um, Troy Polamalu, but could he have had 108? That just sounds kind of unlikely. I don't know. I have to... <sighs> I, I don't know. If I'm thinking if it's like before my lifetime... Again, Deion Sanders would be one that, like the first name I thought of. Other than that, it's it's kind of tough. I don't know. 108. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to get it. You say it's an obvious answer, but it's it's not coming to me. I'm going to say... Man, which one, which one of these guesses do I want to go with? So That's some Reed, good options. It could be Revis. It could be Ed Reed. It could be Champ Bailey. It could be... 108, man. A far, it's a far run. Um, I'm gonna say. Wait, actually, oh, what's his name? Um, nah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say like Tracy Porter. It's not him. He had, he had the one on Manning in the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna say, I don't think Asante Samuel had 108 though. I'll say, I'll say, you know what? If it if it's Ed Reed or, and I don't guess Ed Reed, I'll be kind of mad. So, I'm gonna say Ed Reed. That's Final my answer. Yeah, that's my final answer. It's probably wrong. Trevor Reddick gets half a point. The correct answer is Ed Reed. He had a 108-yard touchdown on a 36-7 win over the Philadelphia Eagles in 2008, I believe. Let's go. He actually broke his own record of 106 in 2004. Uh, Trevor, the second you said Ed Reed, because you weren't looking at him, I was like, yes, he's not going to get the half point. Then you said Ed Reed, I'm like, shoot, he's going to guess Ed Reed. He's going to do it. Yeah, I mean. got it. I feel like when I psych myself out and like I'm really I'm like eh, I'll just say it, but it's probably wrong. That's when I'm actually right. So you know it's it's you know I don't know. Sometimes you you guess right, sometimes you guess wrong. And, and hey, uh, that's today half a point I've, on the board. I've walked out. Uh, yes, Bennett is now your turn to ask Trevor a question. All right, I just want to say real quick, Edry was my I was between Edry and Deion Sanders, and I realized that Deion Sanders was a terrible guess because if Deion Sanders had the record, he'd let us know he had the record. Like we don't because <laughs> he wouldn't stop talking about it. So that, that's good job, Trevor. That was a good guess. Um, typical Brandon over here asking a, a, a Ravens question, question yeah. whatever. All right, Trevor, my question. M- NBA Finals starts this week, so I got an NBA Finals trivia question. Okay. Simple, simple question, Trevor. Who holds the record for most blocks in a single NBA Finals game? Oh. Single game, most blocks ever in an NBA Finals game. Interesting. Most blocks in a single record? NBA Finals game. Okay. Yeah. So, if I'm thinking about some of the greats, some of the great shot blockers that could have had a lot of blocks. I think about a guy like David Robinson. I think about a guy like Akeem Olajuwon. Um, Matumbo was only in one NBA Finals, but it's it's at least possible um, that it could be him. And I'm and I just remembered that now I'm giving my possible answers. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I gave Brandon three possible answers there. Oh, well, I won't give any more. Uh, who else could it have been? Um, most blocks in a single NBA Finals game. Those, those three are good answers. I'm, see, can, can you, okay, can you tell me, like, is there any kind of, uh, does it say when they started tracking this? Because I'm like, like, I'm, I'm curious as to what year they started tracking this, because... Like, Bill Russell probably has it, but I don't think they track blocks, so I don't think it would be Bill Russell in, on on what you're looking at. Like, it probably, in my opinion, the answer's probably not Bill Russell, yeah. but he might have actually had it, so it's like, I don't know. 
you, you know, Trevor, that'd be that'd be a responsible thing for me to do when I'm picking a question, but I picked this really quickly, so I don't know the answer. Okay. Okay, so there's no I'm just okay, well I'm gonna say that uh I'm gonna say it's not Bill Russell, because I don't think they tracked blocks at any point until at least like the probably probably like early eighties, maybe late seventies. So that's what I'm gonna kind of work off of. Um other possible guys that could be. Um I have a couple other names that I'm thinking of. But you know what? I'm going to go with the guy that came to my mind first because I I don't know. My gut's telling me it's him. I may, I may have seen this stat at one point, and maybe there's like a part of my mind that's telling me it's him. So I'm going to say that the answer is David Robinson. I think David Robinson has the most blocks in an NBA Finals game. Trevor, final answer, David Robinson. His nickname was The General, I think. Is that correct? Something like the that. The Admiral. Admiral, I was not <laughs> uh, Trevor, you are you. That is incorrect. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't even know his name. He wasn't on the list. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Right. It is not David Robinson. Brandon, you got a chance for half a point. Who has the most blocks in a single NBA Finals game? Ever? So there's two players I was thinking of. Neither one was David Robinson. I would say either Hakeem Olajuwon or Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm leaning towards Hakeem. So I'm gonna go with that. My my final answer is Hakeem Olajuwon. Brandon, Hakeem Olajuwon, your final answer. You should have gone with Shaquille oh. O'Neal. Just kidding. They're both wrong. You weren't even close. <laughs> um, it, the, answer is, the answer is Dwight Howard. Oh. Nine. Nine blocks against the Lakers in okay. 2009. Those guesses yeah, weren't even close? I mean, I don't know where they're on the list. I just wanted to make you feel like you got it right, but you were you were wrong. You were way wrong. Do you, now I'm do looking you, it up. What did, what did you guess, Trevor? You guessed David Robinson? Do you have a list of like who's like two Hold on. Three? I'm getting it. I'm getting the list. Uh, I do not. I had it up, but I. I you can probably find. I could probably find. Okay, well, I, I got it. I got a list. I got a list. I got a list. Okay. There's a so my terrible guesses were both in second. Both of them. Dwight Howard has nine. Shaq has eight. Hakeem Olajuwon has eight. I don't see David Robinson on here. Uh, I got David okay. Robinson. He is tied for 18th with five blocks. Okay. All right, then congratulations, Brandon. You get one pity point. Then. No, no, well, he doesn't. Pity no, pity? he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I get a pity point? What, what is it? Whoa. If you, yeah, you get an imaginary pity point. He gets, he gets no points. Upset about All right, Trevor, it is your turn to ask me a question. All right, so I found a pretty interesting one. I feel like Ben might know this. Um, I'm not sure if you will, but we'll, we'll see. Let's hope. It's a very interesting question that I found. Okay, so um, my question is, who is the coach, and I'm talking about college basketball here, who is the coach who has the highest win-loss percentage of all time in their in their career? Which coach, which college basketball coach has the highest win-loss percentage of all time? I mean, I feel like it it has to be Mike Krzyzewski, I guess. I mean, that'd probably be my... My first guess. I mean, John Wooden, I'm sure is up there, but I don't know. I'll guess. I'll guess Coach K. I don't know. I feel like Coach K is a good guess, but Coach K is my final answer. Coach K is incorrect. So Ben, the floor is now yours for a half point. Now, I would assume this is men's because if it wasn't, I would guess Gino. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So men's. To clarify, just men's career. Coaching yeah. of all time, who has the highest win loss percentage? Yeah, I got you. And Coach K wasn't a bad guess. Um, I don't think I would have guessed Coach K though. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I could go through all the all the good coaches, but I don't want to waste time with that. So I'm just gonna guess John Wooden. First one I thought of. 
Uh, I don't know if his record's the best. He's probably got he's up there and wins, but I don't know if he's got the best record. But he did win like you know eleven championships. So I'm gonna go with John Wooden. Final answer. Okay, so so John Wooden is not correct. Um, oh, now to give you, I, I I'm just curious, like if I give you this hint, if either one of you can get it, like it's so it's not a power five. So think about like. Oh, it's I think not, I know who it is. Yeah, it's not a power five. That might give you a good, uh, a good uh, guess. Because I'm gonna see if I'm right. Mm. If, if you don't know who it is. Nah, dude, I got. Is he a I, I West Coast no coach? Yes, he is. Yeah, it's it's Mark Few would be my guess. Yes, it, it is Mark yeah. Few. Mark oh, Few is number okay. one, uh, about eighty three percent win loss percentage. Oh That's crazy. Uh, yeah, John Wooden was fifth, about eighty uh, percent. Coach K was eighteenth, about seventy six. So, yeah. Okay, not all right. So I get a pity point then. I was better than Brandon. I get a pity point. <laughs> ben, you get no pity I'll point. Push. All I right, don't know about that. off to our next segment, which is randomly ranked. We are back with randomly ranked. Um, today's randomly ranked segment is going to be best Lay's chips flavors. We're all lovers of chips here. Um, so I'll start off. I, I'm going to be honest with both of you. Mine is very boring. I'm very I'm a really, really picky eater, so I'm coming out with some boring... I, like, honestly, two of them are almost exactly the same. My number three, I'm going with baked barbecue uh, Lay's chips. I, I feel like this is kind of just one of those, like, it's like a secret, kind of. Like, incredibly underrated, in my opinion. Uh, number two, I'm just going to go with the classic Lay's chips. I feel like it's always a good go-to. You're at a party... You know, you see some chips or a cookout. I feel like they're always Lay's classic chips. and I mean, they're just good. You know, there's nothing super-duper special, but there's, you know, they're just really, really solid. And number one, by a good margin, is just the standard Lay's barbecue chips. I mean, barbecue sauce is so good. Barbecue chips are just fabulous. I absolutely love them. They're my go-to chip, um, no matter where I am. And uh, that's my that's my top three. Trevor, what is your top three Lay's potato chip flavors? Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting that you added a baked chip in there. I didn't necessarily did. expect that. Uh, uh, that's that's interesting, though. All right, number three for me, I'm going to start with a sour cream and onion. Um, again, very popular flavor. Um, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of other people would, would have their would have sour cream and onion either maybe as their favorite or you know one of their favorites. So that's number three. Number two, I'm going with salt and vinegar. Very solid. Um, just, you know, you can have it at a cookout with like a burger, a hot dog. It works very well. I mean, all these chips do. It's Lay's in general works well. But salt and vinegar, I love the flavor. They're great. Number one, I agree. Has to be barbecue. Barbecue flavored. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say barbecue flavored anything is good. But Pretty when much it comes, <laughs> but like, you know, most of the things that have like barbecue flavors usually are some of the best of whatever that thing is. So yeah, Lay's barbecue chips are amazing. I love them. Um, and yeah, that's number one. I 100% agree. Ben, it is your turn. I don't think you'll have a barbecue chip in your top three, but you know, maybe you'll surprise me. I will not. I will not be putting barbecue in my top three. I don't hate them. They're good. I just, I like the other three better. Uh, my number three, got to go with sour cream and onion. Sour cream and onion is fantastic. I don't even like onions. Um, I don't even really like sour cream that much, but I like sour cream and onion. Lay's chips mm -hmm. are good. Uh, number two, got to go cheddar sour cream. Again, nothing special here um, or nothing out of the ordinary. I think that's, that'd be in a lot of people's top three, top five. Cheddar sour cream, great. Uh, fantastic. And Trevor, I'm very happy you had salt and vinegar at, at, on your top three. It, I, they deserve some respect because they are the greatest chips ever. Wow, uh, bold claim. Uh, salt and vinegar chips are fantastic. Again, it's one of those things you either love them or you hate them. There's really no people. I feel like there's not many people that are indifferent about them because you either like the vinegar or you don't like the vinegar. 
I love salt and vinegar chips, especially kettle cooked salt and vinegar chips. Get that extra crunch in there. Uh, fantastic. I could eat them every day of the year. Interesting. I feel like we all kind of had boring lists, you know? It was a very <laughs> yeah. standard episode. No hot takes, yeah, really. I, we, I said before, I said we would probably be pretty boring here. At least, I'm just glad nobody put original ways in there. That's too I funny. did. Like, Brandon did. Brandon did. Brandon did. <laughs> Uh, um, which was I which was kind of boring i gotta say brandon i i i i let off with it here's the thing though i'm a picky eater i really only have those two or three like those are the only three types of lays i really like you know actually well, cl- clearly i was listening to you, you know what clearly lays are I good i, I can even put those in as an honorable mention the ketchup lays have you guys ever had those oh, it honestly no, tastes a little bit like barbecue no. lays a little bit i have i'm kind of scared i have not that. and i don't know <laughs> yeah they're pretty solid. They're not bad at all. But let's let's get to our main topic. We got some NBA stuff, of course, as we have the NBA Finals starting this Tuesday. Trevor, I know you're incredibly excited. Um, let's start off with the series that ended a little while ago on Wednesday, Suns-Clippers. Um, Suns won out the series 130-103. to 4-2 um, was the, the final series, and the Suns are going to the NBA Finals for the first time, if ever, I don't know, in a long time. It's, it's yeah, been, I, I think it's ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be ever. Yeah. I think the Bucks are the same sure. way, right? I think both were having a right, winner well, this year. Well, actually, the Suns have never won it. They got there with uh, Charles Barkley in '93. Gotcha. So. Ah, yes, yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, I think the Bucks have never been right. Well, they they won with Kareem back in 1971, but that's obviously a, a very long time ago. So we, it's it's been a while. We potentially will have a new winner. If the Hawks won, we would have had a new winner. That's what it was. Um, yeah, I think so. But, Suns Clippers, Trevor. Let's wrap up this series. Um, and uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? The the wrap up of this series. Chris Paul was fabulous after being out for a couple games. Yeah, he definitely was. So, you know, the, in this series, obviously didn't have Kawhi Leonard. Very unfortunate because it would have been um, a pretty incredible series. I think if if Kawhi was there, um, we didn't get to see him. Unfortunately, uh, still a pretty good series overall. It was kind of pretty evident to me, at least maybe not to everyone, but it's always pretty evident to me uh, that without Kawhi, Phoenix was going to win the series. It was just a matter of how many games it would take them to win the series. Um, you know, last week on the pod, I think I said, eh, they'll probably close out in five just because, like, you know, for the Clippers to win game five, they need either, like, uh, an awesome game for Paul George or they need, like, Marcus Morris to hit seven threes or they need, like, Reggie Jackson to go off and have, like, 30. And that kind of happened. Like, Paul George was incredible in game five. He had 41 points, 13 rebounds, and the Clippers did win game five, you know. Uh, Chris Paul, obviously, coming off of, you know, being in the COVID protocols, um, hadn't been as efficient as he had been uh, in that Denver series up until mm-hmm. Game 6, where in Game 6, Chris Paul kind of takes over. Really just, you know, this is going to go down as a, a signature game of Chris Paul's career where he has 41 points, 8 assists, very efficient. Uh, he was 16-24 from the field, 7 of 8 from 3, which is incredible. Just, uh, I, I don't think ever in my life, could I ever make seven out of eight threes? Never. Um, so that's incredible that Chris Paul did that. Uh, mo- most players, by the way, um, do are not able to do that. So incredible performance for Chris Paul. Um, he's been awesome in the playoffs. And it got me thinking, you know, like, like is this Chris Paul's, like, is this his peak? Is this the best Chris Paul has ever looked in his career? And it's really tough because... Chris Paul was out of the lineup for a couple games. Obviously, in game in uh, the first series against the Lakers, he was hurt. So it's like I think that consistently, it kind of like came and went with his performances due to injury, due to COVID. Not necessarily due to you know him 
just how, how he played. But at his peak, when he was really good putting up these high-scoring performances, is this his best? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'd probably have to look back into it. But it's just incredible to see that he is playing at this level at age 37, which I know I think there was a stat of like um, the only guy I think who's had more points in a playoff game at age 37 or older, I think it was Carl Malone, if I'm not mistaken. Um, when he had like, I, I think it was, I don't know, it was more points than Chris Paul had at age, I think it was like age 40 or something. But other than Carl Malone, no one else has had more points in a playoff game at age 37 or older than Chris Paul. So incredible. It shows the longevity. And we'll, we'll do more legacy talk with Chris Paul, I think, after the finals take place. That's when I really want to discuss it. But to me, he's got to be in that you know, late 20s range, maybe early 30s. He's somewhere around there. I have him ahead of guys like Jason Kidd. I have him ahead of Steve Nash. I have him ahead of John Stockton. Um, I Brandon might disagree with, with, with the Stockton one, but I have him ahead of all three of those guys already. Um, then next up, you look at guys like, like an Isaiah Thomas. Is he better than Isaiah Thomas? I don't know. Maybe if he gets a ring, maybe that's enough justif- justification to say that he is better than Isaiah Thomas. And then you have other guys like um, Steph, which Steph, his ranking is going to rise for me. And then other guys, Scottie Pippen's probably in the mix, and, and I can go on and on. But just very incredible to see Chris Paul um, doing so well in the finals with a real shot at the championship now. And, you know, it's, it's been really impressive to see also, you know, some of his teammates playing so well. Obviously, I've talked about Aiton so many times. I, I don't need to, you know, belabor the same points about Aiton. I've just been so impressed uh, with his rebounding, his ability to stay out of foul trouble, uh, touch around the rim. You, you know, you look at like Jay Crowder, who was, uh, had 19 points in this latest game. Jay Crowder, by the way, whatever team he goes to, you're making the playoffs. Like, if you just look at his track record last year with the Heat, they made the finals. Um, he's been on, like, good Celtics teams. He's been on uh, the Jazz when they were in the playoffs. Like, Jay Crowder, if he's on your team, you're making the playoffs. So, you know, most teams should try to get Jay Crowder, I would say, I guess, is the message there. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Do you, Brandon, do you have any uh, thoughts on this series? I, I'm really, really happy the Suns made it. I, I, in no way do I think the two teams in the finals are necessarily the best teams you know out there in, in terms of the NBA. This is a very weird year. It was sped up too quickly. There was a lot of injuries. However, the Suns, I, I'm so happy they made it. I love Chris Paul. I love Booker. I just like the Suns team as a whole. And I'm, I'm happy that you know at least the team that beat LeBron, well, I mean maybe they won't win, but at least they're there you know in the finals. Chris Paul is, is so amazing in so many different ways. And I think you you beg a good question. You know, is this the best Chris Paul we've seen? I I would say no. I I think the circumstance is great, and he's playing well because he's a great player. I I think we've seen better Chris Pauls in the past. They just haven't been on teams that can make it, you know, the distance like this team has. Uh, Another thing is this team is young. This team's going to be around for a while. All these guys um, are going to be around for a good amount of time, especially Chris Paul. He's going to be getting a new contract. I don't know if it's this this coming year or the year after. Um, it'll free up a little bit of space to, to extend guys like Aiden um, and uh, uh, Booker, or uh, Booker's extended Aiden, um, and you know really get this core solidified for the future. I'm very excited, and I really, really hope the Suns win, um, and really more so for Chris Paul, I hope they win. Ben, final thoughts on this series before we move on to our next one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to find people that aren't Suns fans that don't have a rooting interest in this in this uh, these playoffs. Because if, if you don't have a rooting interest, you're probably rooting for the Suns. They're a fun team to root for. Um, and I do think they're the better team. I think the better team won against the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers had probably had the better player in Kawhi, but when Kawhi doesn't play, that makes a big difference. 
Uh, and Paul George did everything he could. Paul George had a great series. He had a good playoffs. Um, but again, the Phoenix Suns, I think, just have a better overall team. I mean, like like Trevor said, and like you guys said, you got Booker, Aiton, Chris Paul having a great year. Um, you know, obviously Devin Booker having his you know NBA playoff debut and kind of what we expected from him when he would eventually make the playoffs. And then you got people like Jay Crowder and Miles Bridges, like you guys already said. Um, the Phoenix Suns are the better team. The better team won that series. It stinks that Kawhi was hurt for a bunch of the games. Um, but again, that's seemingly at this point, you kind of just got to expect it because, you know, we'll get to it. But you know, Giannis has been hurt and obviously Chris Paul has been hurt. Everybody's been hurt. All the stars have been hurt. So uh, it's part of the game this year. Again, the healthier team won um, in terms of, you know, the Clippers have their worst, their best player hurt. But I also think the better team won in this series. The Suns are our more complete team, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And that showed they won in six games. And yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch in these finals because they they it seems like it's just their year. It seems like for whatever reason the Suns have what it takes to 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 win the championship this year, and I'm excited to see what they do in the finals. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. I I I think are all three of us rooting for the Suns. Trevor, are you rooting for the Suns? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we're all three rooting for the Suns. Let's hope uh, Chris Paul brings it home. Let's move to the next series, Trevor. Bucks and Hawks, which ended yesterday. Um, yeah. We had one eighteen one oh seven. Bucks pulled it out, but it does not appear. The experts do not think Giannis will be available for the finals. Um, what is, you know, well, let's wrap up the series first before we kind of get into the, the next series. Um, but your thoughts on this series, were you impressed by this Hawks team? Yeah, so, yes, uh, to answer that question first, yes, I was impressed by the Atlanta Hawks team. Um, coming in this series, I, I think I did pick Bucks and Six, um, so I was right on that front, but it was very, obviously the circumstances were very different. Like, we saw... The Hawks come out with very good game one. Obviously, Trey Young's amazing performance, 48 points. The Bucks respond. They kind of blow them out. And then, you know, game three, the Bucks win that as well. Chris Middleton with a great game. Um, and then, you know, you have the injuries that happen, obviously. You know, game four, we, we obviously, that's when it kind of started, really. Obviously, Giannis is injured. Um, you know, in game, well, game three, actually, is when Trey got hurt, and that kind of flipped um that game at least a little bit like the bucks were leading in game three um but it was very close and you can argue like oh if trey was a hundred percent and bogdanovich could make a couple more threes could they have stolen game three maybe um then obviously they win game four um without trey now Giannis went out but just an incredible performance in that one from atlanta um so it's it's really tough i think regardless of the circumstances uh the bucks they are the better team um, for as many flaws as they have, um, their offense at the end of the day was kind of overpowering. They had 123 points game five, 118 last night. Uh, just, you know, the, the Hawks defense has their issues pretty clearly. We saw the Bucks and how they were able to kind of dominate in the paint. Brooke Lopez had probably the best game of his life in game five. He had 33 points, um, you know, trying to at least temporarily silence some of the the criticism that he's gotten for his for his pick and roll defense, um, you know. But it was I don't know. It wasn't the most compelling series to me. I was there were points where I was like, eh, especially when Trey Young wasn't playing, I was like, eh, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like searching to find something that I'm interested in. And it ended up being uh, well, Cam Reddish was actually one of the revelations that came out. Um, he was doing a really good job. Yeah, he was, he was shooting the lights out. Yeah, he was shooting the lights out. He was doing very good on Chris Middleton. But at the end of the day, the Bucks had too much. Uh, Trey Young played last night, but clearly he was nowhere near himself. And the Bucks won, you know, which which makes sense. And now, uh, well, first of all, I'll say with the Hawks, you know, just an incredible season. Obviously, exceeding expectations 
almost in a similar kind of way to how the Heat did last season, getting to the finals. Um, it would have been just like that if the Hawks had made the finals. So I think that's going to be interesting to see. And now people are going to have high expectations for the Hawks next season, same way they did for the Heat this season. And I think it's going to be very difficult to meet those expectations, especially assuming that, you know, some of these stars are, you know, healthy next season, right? Like the Nets are clearly going to be, I think, the front runner in the East, assuming they bring uh, the core back. You know, the Bucks are still going to be in the mix. Philly, depending on what they do with Simmons, maybe they upgrade and they get better and, you know, they're in the way. Um, and then Miami, obviously, they'll be in the mix as well, I would assume. But it's going to be interesting because I think this Hawks core is really good. Trey Young was awesome. But, um, you know, it's I, I just I guess I worry for them. And not that I'm a Hawks fan, but I worry that they will kind of underperform next season. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, with this team, you know, and some of the guys around Trey, obviously there's been a lot of talk, like, are they going to keep John Collins? We'll have to see there. But then as we kind of move into the finals, setting up with Bucks Suns, a series that, as you said, may not have Giannis at all. Um, hopefully we get him at some point, but it's definitely no guarantee. And I think the Suns are winning the series regardless, to be honest with you. Um, it, it, it seems very, very unlikely, just from what I've read in, like, the football doctor tweeted about and i think he made a video on that the injury that Giannis has there's there's probably a zero it's almost zero percent chance he he'll be playing in this series it's very interesting we're seeing almost no star players in this series almost zero yeah i mean i mean the biggest star is right it's i mean it's gonna be chris paul devin booker and then chris middleton like those are kind of the guys and you know drew holiday i guess but so I think the Suns win it regardless, even if Giannis comes back uh, in Game 3, Game 4. But it's I, I don't think it's going to matter. The Suns have home court. Um, they play better as a team. You look at how they can attack the pick-and-roll defense. We've seen teams take advantage of Brooke Lopez and you know kind of the switching. Phoenix with Chris Paul, more than capable of doing that. And Phoenix plays better defense than any team the Bucks have ran into. I mean, Phoenix plays better defense than Brooklyn. They certainly play better defense than Atlanta. So that's going to be tough. And the Bucks, you know, they've had a fair amount of games where they've really struggled shooting the three ball. So in those games, they're certainly going to lose. You know, you might see some, some uh, 20, 25-point blowouts. We might see a couple of those. I, I think it's the Suns to lose unless they kind of fall flat on their face or there's injuries, I don't see any way that the Suns do not win this series. Um, and, and also, like, with that is, like, if Giannis is back, like I said, Game 3, Game 4, the assumption for me is that he won't be 100%. He won't be the typical Giannis. So, yeah, I mean, the Suns are going to win, I think, collectively, the way they play as a team. I think for Milwaukee... Obviously, Middleton, he's going to have to bring it every single night. Like, we see Middleton, like, he'll have the 30-point game, and then the next game he'll kind of fall off and be really inefficient. And then maybe he'll have a good game the next game, but then he'll fall off. It's kind of like game-to-game, like with Chris Middleton. And if he does have a great game, sure, they can steal a game or two. But if he's not doing that every single game, they can't beat the Suns. So so that's where I see it going. Um, I'm going to say the Suns will win in six games. Uh, it could be five, even. If Giannis doesn't play at all, it could be five. But I'm going to say six. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, Trevor. I, I got the Suns in six. I, I, I hope it's less, really. I, I, I hope the, the Suns can clear it out a little earlier. Without Giannis, it's going to be such an uphill battle for Milwaukee. Um, you know, I guess we'll just have to, to wait and see. Ben, you, you got a similar prediction? What do you think? 
you know, I hate giving predictions, especially on NBA playoffs, because I'm never right. Never. Um, but I didn't know about, I didn't know that Giannis was maybe going to miss the whole series. Uh, and that I feel bad for him because, I mean, he's a great player, obviously. Uh, and that's a fan base that, again, they haven't done a whole lot of winning recently, not at least when it matters. So that stinks that he's, that he might not play uh, in the series at all. If he doesn't play at all, which I'll just assume at this point, he's not going to play. Um, I'll say Suns and five. Okay. I'll say Suns and five. I don't want to agree with you two. That's lame. I'll go Suns and five. But again, asterisk. That's me assuming Giannis doesn't play. If he plays three games, and it's you know Bucks in seven. I'm gonna look like an idiot, but I'm assuming that he's not gonna play. So I'll go Suns in five, just so I don't agree with you. All right, uh, Trevor. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the pod today? Um, I think that's about it. You know, like it'll it'll still be. I still always enjoy it. Obviously, there are some things that like are a little disappointing that Giannis isn't playing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes, that's unfortunate. And yes, maybe we would have had better teams if everyone was fully healthy. I think that's true, but I still think, you know, there's some storylines that are interesting. Obviously, Chris Paul potentially getting his first ring. I mean, Giannis, if, if he comes back, getting his first ring. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, Booker's big rise that he's had. So, definitely mm-hmm. some still interesting things that you can take away. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then we have, like, the NBA draft and um, a, lot, a lot of other things on the horizon. A lot of exciting stuff coming up. And, of course, the NFL season is coming yes. up not, not too far away. Nope. It's not too far We're away. There. We're getting there. But we'll wrap up the episode here for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Of course, subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at the small baller. We'll click the link in the description so you know when all of our podcasts go live. Next week, we have Big Brother. Next Wednesday, um, the, the 7th, right? Is, yeah. Is uh, the first episode, 8 o'clock. We will be releasing an episode after that Um Hopefully we have our drafted teams by then. I really want the first overall pick. Ben won last year, so we'll see if he gives it to me. Maybe he's feeling nice. I don't think he feels very nice ever, so he's not going to probably give me the first pick, but we'll have to see. But please tune into that, especially if you like Big Brother, because it's going to be great. We can't wait to talk about this upcoming season. The cast looks really, really good. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!